I'm going to begin reading in the 117th Psalm. And then we'll go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And then to Hebrews, chapter 13. This is the 14th in a series of messages that addresses the subject of local church membership. And the purpose, as I've stated over and over, of these messages is to call our church family back to the biblical basis and purpose of local church membership. I mentioned early on in these messages that the influence of the consumer mindset, the entertainment mentality, and the entitlement mentality that so dominates our culture has greatly affected how God's people view the local church. The local church is not a club. It's not a place where people who have a common interest meet to share that interest. It's more than that. The local church is where regenerated sinners who are now believers, it's where we gather together to hear the Word of God taught, to hear it preached, It's where we sing together. It's where we pray together. It's where we give together, fellowship together. It's where we partake of the Lord's Supper together. It's where we baptize those who have been converted. And it's where we worship together. For the last two Sundays, we've been looking at the subject of the local church and corporate worship. Corporate not in the sense of a business, but corporate in the sense of we congregate, we come together to worship the Lord. That's why we are here. Paul makes that very clear in Ephesians 1, 6, when he states that everything in God's plan from before the foundations of the world is meant to lead up to our praising the glory of God's goodness and grace. All of God's wisdom, all of God's mercy, everything that was behind our salvation and our being here today, all of that is so we can gather and to the praise of His glory. It's to give Him honor and glorify His name. In fact, Paul said that three times in Ephesians 1, in verse 6, 12, and 14 that we read several weeks ago. Last Sunday morning, I read four Old Testament passages and nine New Testament passages that speak directly to the gathering of God's people from both the Old and the New Testament. The fact is, God's people gather together. And the fact is, when people who claim to be God's people consistently and deliberately refuse to gather, they are sending a clear message that they are not a part of God's people. Whether they understand that or not, They are sending a message, I am not a part of the family of God. I want us to go back this morning and look, continue with what I mentioned last Sunday on why we gather in corporate worship. We're going to revisit that for a few moments this morning, talking about our worship and praise. Psalm 117, if you'll look at these two verses, these verses tell us, To whom our praise is to be given, these verses tell us who is to do the praising, and it tells us why we are to praise the Lord. 
The psalmist said, Oh, praise the Lord. That is whom, that is who we are to praise. All ye nations, praise Him. All ye people, for His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. It is the Lord, it is Jehovah God, who is to be praised. And those who are to do that are all nations and all people. Regenerate, unregenerate, are held accountable for giving praise and ascribing worth to the name of our God and to the Lord Himself. And the reason for that, the why, is in verse 2, is for His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. That is the truth about who is to praise God. Everyone, all nations are to praise God, are to give Him glory and honor. Then we come to Acts chapter 2, and I want to read again these verses. I know I've read them in the past. I know there's some verses I am reading over and over again through this series of messages, but repetition should create our learning and also our appreciation and also our praise. In Acts 2, verse number 41, after the great work of God in the salvation of souls on the day of Pentecost, the great move of God in the message of Peter on the day of Pentecost, it says in Acts 2.41, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And then Here's where we are this morning, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. These individuals in the first century church were not praising God just because they experienced something. That's not what is happening here. They are praising God for everything that's mentioned in verse 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, and 46. All of this results in their praise of God. It's not that they came together and somebody sung a song that maybe stirred them up or a preacher said something that stirred them up. No, it is a combination of everything God was doing. Souls were being saved. People were being baptized. There were souls being added to the church. The doctrine of God was being preached. They were breaking bread. They were fellowshipping together. Great fear came upon them. God was demonstrating His power through the ministry of the apostles. People were believing on Christ, and they had all things in common. One family did not look at themselves as better than another family, although society and financial position and status may have separated them. They are together in Jesus Christ. And their Christian life is showing up from house to house. And there's gladness in verse 46 and singleness of heart 
And that is what leads to, and that is what the content is of this praise that they are offering to God in verse number 47. Let's go to Hebrews, one verse in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15. I mentioned last Sunday, we do not have an altar of sacrifice in this church. We do not bring lambs and turtle doves and pigeons. We do not bring our first fruits of our harvest in here this morning as in the Old Testament. Under the New Covenant, here is what we do when we gather in Hebrews 13, 15. Again, comparing it to Psalm 117, you see whom is to be praised. You see who is to do the praising and why we are to do that in this verse. By Him, speaking of our Lord, by Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice. And our sacrifice this morning in verse 15 is praise to God. And we're not to do that at barley harvest or at Thanksgiving or at spring planting or at certain seasons as did the nation of Israel in the Old Testament uh, under the Old Covenant. But we are to offer praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. You and I who have been saved by God's grace by Jesus Christ, we are to continually Offer our sacrifice of praise unto God who gave His Son that we might have salvation. Why do we gather in corporate worship? What are the purposes? What are the priorities for gathering? Remember, I said last Sunday, I say it again, God is sovereign. Our gathering here this morning was not the church's idea. After a bunch of people in the book of Acts got saved, they didn't get together one night and say, why don't we meet together and talk about God? Why don't we meet together and sing some hymns? Why don't we meet together and uh, Peter, you preach, and, and uh, John, you lead the singing, or, or whatever. Why don't we do these things? Why? This was not man's idea. Our being here this morning was the mind of God. Our being here this morning is God's plan. This is not man's idea. This is not something that a, that a bunch of well-meaning people came up with. The gathering for corporate worship is God's idea. And we saw that last Sunday from both the Old and the New Testament. First, I mentioned last Sunday, just about to refresh your mind, we gather to make ourselves visible to ourselves. When we gather in corporate worship, we do so to become conscious of each other. If we did not gather then we would not know each other. We would not know uh, who each other was, the burdens we share, the joys we have, the gladness we have, the sorrows that we carry. We know that because we gather together. We show ourselves that we are a community of God's people saved by grace, dependent upon Him. Then secondly, I mentioned that we gather to communicate God's wisdom. Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, 8-11 that the heavenly realm, the angels, the heavenly realm, they look on this mystery. They look on what we're doing this morning here in the church. They look on that to the intent that God may receive glory and praise. They look at this and try to comp uh, contemplate the manifold wisdom of God, how God could take a bunch of sinners like us and put us together in a body, in a body, how God could do all of that. 
And thirdly, I began this third uh, statement last week that we gather not only to make ourselves visible and we gather to communicate God's wisdom, but thirdly, we gather to exalt and glorify God. And I just touched on that one last Sunday, and that's what I want us to look at here this morning. We gather here together to exalt and glorify God. There is a basic outline of what I want to say this morning. When we gather, I won't cover it all. We gather, first of all, to exalt and glorify Him. We gather to edify each other. When we are together, we build up each other in the faith. And then we gather to evangelize. It is only after we exalt Him, it is only after we edify and build up each other that we are confident and, and encouraged and receive strength to go out and to evangelize. And when the sinner comes in here, he should see Christ exalted. He should see the believer being edified. And he should know and understand that salvation is of the Lord. It's Him we're magnifying and it's Him we're exalting. A sinner comes in here today and sees a preacher up here doing his thing, entertaining the crowd. If he sees a choir or a group of singers up here doing their thing and doing it the same way the world does it, how will he know there is any different? But brother, when a sinner comes in and he hears the name of God exalted and he hears the name of Jesus Christ magnified and praised and when he comes and sees the work of the blessed Holy Spirit doing work in people's lives that no one else could possibly do, it is then and only then that he would be convicted of his sin and turn to Christ. What exactly were these first Christians doing in Acts chapter 2 when it says they were praising God? Were they running the aisles? They had no aisles to run in that day. Were they shouting to the top of their lungs? Were they lifting up their hands? Were they sitting silently with heads bowed and eyes closed? I asked you these questions last Sunday. Praising is what they were doing. You say, preacher, what were they doing? Praising. Praising. Then how do we know what is acceptable when we gather together? We know that from the Scriptures. Look at the word praising there in Acts 2.47. It comes from the Greek word, aneo, which I may have not pronounced that exactly correct, but it means to extol. It means to sing praise. It means to offer, to offer in honor of God. And this early church, after all they had been through, they came in verse 47. They, praised, they were praising God. They were extolling Him. They were singing praise to Him. They were offering in honor to God. Everything that they were doing in the preceding statements leading up to verse 47, all of that was done in honor to our God and giving glory and praise unto His great name. This word here that Luke uses in the book of Acts is very interesting. If you want to take your Bible, go back to the book of Luke. This little word, praise or praising that I, that I mentioned here, this little Greek word is used nine times in the New Testament. And it's ironic that Luke uses the word seven times. Seven times it is used by Luke. And I want you to notice and maybe get an understanding of what is actually happening here in the first century church because it's what should be happening here in this morning with us when we gather Go back to Luke chapter 2, a Christmas verse that you'll probably hear a lot in the next four, uh, five, six, seven weeks ahead of us here, maybe longer. You'll, you'll hear this repeated. Most of us know it by heart. But in Luke chapter 2, verse number 13 and 14, 
The Bible says, and this is after the angel had came and, and declared Christ to the shepherds. Listen what the Bible says in Luke 2.13. This is Luke writing. He's also the author of the book of Acts. And he alone uses this little word seven times in his writings. He had something in mind. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. See the word? Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The, the shepherds have heard and the angels, the heavenly host, are now praising God and saying. And it tells us what they said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Look down at verse 20 of Luke 2. And the shepherds returned. Now glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And it was as it was told unto them. you got the heavenly host that are praising God. They are extolling. They are offering in honor uh, some form of praise to the God of heaven for what He has done in the promise of His Son. And the shepherds now. Now you've got angelic beings and you've got shepherds. And now they're both praising God. They're glorifying Him, giving glory to Him for what they had seen and for what they had heard. Folks, you can't get, too, you can't get any farther apart culturally than the heavenly host and a bunch of shepherds on a hillside, and yet they both are praising God. I'm not saying that what they did was identical. I don't think you'll see identical praise among the body of Christ. If you go into a church where everyone praises God exactly the same way, it's probably not genuine praise. There is coming from the angelic beings, the heavenly host, and coming from the lowly shepherds, a giving of honor and a glorifying, a scribing of worth to the Holy One for who He is and for all He has done. You may do that in your quietness sitting around somewhere with an open Bible. You may in a service like this do that with a hand raised toward heaven, tears flowing out of your eyes, or with verbal uh, hallelujahs or thank you Lord coming from you. Luke is telling us that because of God's Son, because of God's Son, His people are to praise Him when we are gathered together. If you take Christ out of this equation, if you take Jesus out of everything we do, we have nothing, absolutely nothing to rejoice in this morning. Christ is the focal point of it all. The focal point of it all. And then, look with me in Luke chapter number 19. He uses this word again. Luke chapter number 19. We're at the Mount of Olives. Luke 19, 37, Luke uses the word again. And when he was come nigh, Jesus, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Here we have a heavenly host praising God, and we really can't even define what they are doing here we have shepherds who are actually vocalizing the things they've seen and heard. Just by telling what had happened to them, they are praising God. And now we have the multitude of the disciples. They are praising God with a loud voice for the mighty works that they had witnessed that day. There's another one I could go on, but let me give you a fourth one. Luke 24, 52. 
it says, and they worshipped him. These are the returning on the Emmaus road, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Do you see Luke is using this same word, and he's connecting it with the heavenlies? He's connecting it in a field with shepherds. He is connecting it with a group of disciples who have witnessed the miraculous works of Jesus Christ. And he's connecting it with men after the resurrection of our Lord who have been distraught. But now they're worshiping and they're praising God every day in the temple. What I'm saying is praise goes beyond our personal definitions. Praise goes beyond our limited understandings. Praise goes beyond our traditional thinking. Praise is always based on the truth of God, and it always magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to give you this one. The last use of this little Greek word in our Bible is used in Revelation 19.5, and it says, And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear Him, both small and great. The scene now is back in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Luke starts us out in heaven with the heavenly host with this little word, and then we end up back in heaven with the heavenly host praising God. And I think what he's saying is, when it comes to the bookends of praising God, we're slapped right here in the middle somewhere, and the reason we're gathered this morning is to give praise and honor and glory unto the God who saved us. As the choir sang a while ago, Bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalmist is talking to his own soul. He is saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. At some point, John the Revelator hears a voice coming out of the throne and it's calling others in heaven to join in this anthem of praise. Our Lord is worthy to be praised. Our Lord is worthy of worship. Praise is the natural response of the redeemed creatures. Praise is the natural response of of redeemed creatures, and as great as it is for individuals to praise the Lord individually and while we're alone, think how God is glorified when we praise Him as an assembled church, as the body of believers, when all of us gather to praise and glorify His name. I heard a, I heard a uh, preacher years ago, he was, he was preaching at a service, and he was trying to work it up. It wasn't, you know, he was trying to get it, get it exciting, and it wasn't getting there. And so he asked another preacher, he said, uh, who, who's the shouter in your church? And he called this woman's name, and she got up and proceeded to dance and do all kind of crazy things. And, of course, that got most people stirred up and fired up. We don't come in here, we don't come in here to magnify individual praise. We come in here to corporately praise God. We praise Him as individuals. For me, it may be the lifting of the hand, as I mentioned. For you, it may be tears of joy. For you, it may be shouts of hallelujah. But we don't come. Genuine praise never says, look at me. Genuine praise says, look at Him. And when we vocalize that in our testimonies, we thank Him for what He's done for us. We give glory for His great salvation. We thank Him for who He is, for His blessings, for all the benefits there is in saving grace. 
God is to be glorified in His assembled church. So what was this first century church doing? The answer is they were praising God in an assembled gathering, just like you and I are this morning, in a unified way. And then they took that from house to house because they had no building to hang around in like you and I have this morning. They took that house to house. And their praise allowed no one to receive glory and honor but the Lord Himself. That's my desire. When I say amen, I want that amen to be to His praise and glory, not an amen that makes you think like the preacher seen something that I didn't see. When I say glory to His name or bless the Lord, I want that to be to His glory and not for you to say, well, maybe I should have been blessing the Lord right there. Maybe I have missed something. No, this is about the corporate body of Christ gathered together. And when we are focused on Jesus Christ, we all will offer to Him Our sacrifice of praise. I never look at the offering envelopes. I never have in any church I've ever been in, and I have never looked at them here. I don't know who gives what. But I doubt very seriously if there's more than a half a dozen or two dozen people who gave the same amount today, unless it's people who just give the same amount every week. Uh, There's different amounts given here and there. And that's the same way with sacrifices of praise. Sacrifices of praise. I used to sit in services where preachers would make me feel guilty because somebody gave a testimony and I didn't give one and they made me feel like I was lost. That ain't got a thing to do with anything. Our praise, our sacrifice of praise, as we're gathered together, should be one voice up to God. One voice glorifying Him. One voice I've heard people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to see Daddy. I'm going to stand back and watch Daddy shout all over heaven. No, you're not. The praise over there will all of our voices and all of our hearts and souls, it'll all be lifted. There'll be no individualism to where men can be tempted to take any credit for anything. It will all be to God's glory and grace. And as a matter of fact, It is very ironic throughout the pages of God's Word when you see genuine worship and praise, you normally see people on their face, hidden before God, giving Him the glory that's due unto Him. I love what Dr. John MacArthur writes about the first century church, answering the question in Acts 2.47, what were they doing? He writes this, and I quote, Did you know that everybody is involved in praising God and giving Him all the glory? When that occurs, then everybody's one and with everyone else. It's when somebody says, no, God, I want the glory, then you've got problems. That's why the Bible says, watch out for those who seek the preeminence. Who does the preeminence belong to? He continues, it belongs to Jesus Christ and to God. You'll never have any conflict in a church until people begin to seek the preeminence. But as long as we're all singly committed to praising God and exalting the Savior, then we're one with each other, end quote. Amen. This is about Christ. This is not about me. Now, when you come to a church with an entitlement mentality and a consumerism mentality, it's all about you or all about me. If I come up here and preach and I want a response and I want you to do what I think you should do, then it's all about me. No, I come to preach Christ. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. 
And may God, not only today, but may God, until we all are assembled around His throne forever, when God looks in upon this congregation, when this congregation is assembled, may every song that's sung, may every amen that's said, may everything taught and preached, may every testimony given, may every hand raised, may every tear flowing, may every head bowed, may every hallelujah said, may it all be to God's glory, and may Christ be magnified in it all. That's what the early church was doing. Praising God and giving Him glory. Psalm 32, 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. The word shout means to give a ringing cry. Psalm 34, 3, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. The word together means in unison. The psalmist is calling upon God's people to join Him in promoting, in making great, in causing to grow the significance of the Lord. Just a few moments ago, when Jonathan walked up here to the the pulpit, and welcome to the service. He said, take your hymn books. And some of you turn to 31, some turn to 35, some turn to 116, and the rest of you just go where you feel led of God. And Micah, it's your job to play the, every one of it. It's the same. No, that's not what happens. We do it in unison. We do it in one accord. That's what praise is. That's what praise is. Well, preacher, I come in with my mind on something else. Let your mind come to where the Word takes your mind. Let your thoughts be upon... Listen, you may have come in today thinking about how bad the economy was. As soon as the the Sunday school teacher opened up the book, your mind should have went to the Word of God. And whenever we sing, whenever we testify, whenever we uh, share our praises, it should be about the truth of who God is. We're to magnify the Lord together. That's a great work of God. I didn't come here today to do my thing. I hope you didn't either. I came here today to worship with you. With you. That's why I'm here. I didn't come here to watch somebody worship. I came here to worship with you. To magnify Him together. Sometimes we magnify Him by listening. Sometimes we magnify Him by praying. there's There's just hundreds of biblical ways that we go through the Scriptures, but we do that together. Listen to Psalm 81, 1 and 2. Sing aloud unto God our strength. We've done that today. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. We've done that today. Take a psalm, a word of God, and bring, bring here to the timbrel. I don't think we've had one of those show up today, although there is one electronically on that organ and the keyboard. The pleasant harp with the psaltery. You know what David is saying? David is saying, if you've got any instrument, if you've got anything by which you can praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him. I've heard preachers say, ain't going to be no drums in my church, bless God. you got an organ, they are. And the same preacher who says that when they're singing, sitting there doing this, he's got the beat in his feet. But you see, we associate that with evil, right? It ain't always evil. How do we praise Him? The psalmist continues, Psalm 95 too. 
Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. Listen to Psalm 107 too. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So means to utter, to answer. It means to think with your heart what you intend to say about being redeemed. Praise is not about getting worked up and then going off on a verbal nightmare discourse. Praise is about the redeemed thinking about what God has done for them. Maybe a song reminds you of that. Maybe a sermon reminds you of that. Maybe your prayer time reminded you of that. Maybe as you're just sitting somewhere looking at God's people and thinking about how good God has been. Maybe it's someone that you have prayed for and you see them walk back in the assembly and it blesses your soul. Listen, the redeemed are to say so. We are to say what we have thought about God's redeeming grace, His goodness, and His mercy. In other words, when I preach and I'm done, you should remember Christ. When this choir sings and they're done, you should remember Christ. If you testify when you're done, people should remember Christ. If you cry when you're finished crying, people should remember Christ. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say what we have thought about our great Redeemer. And church, there's a lot of good things to think about our Redeemer. Bless His holy name. The Bible is clear. Praise and exultation is the heartbeat of God's gathered people. But what constitutes genuine praise? I'm just going to give you these. I don't have time to preach them. But I want to give you these three. What constitutes genuine praise? First, genuine praise should always be serious and reverent. Reverent don't mean dead and stoic. That's not what reverent means. I like to say it like the church should never be a barn dance. The church should not be a morgue either. Somewhere there's a blessed medium. But it must be reverent. A God-centered worship should not be superficial, it shouldn't be shallow, and it should not be silly. Listen to the Hebrew author, Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And that word serve there can venture into the element of worship. We may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. You don't want to play with God. And if you read your Bible, you don't want to play with God when you're worshiping God either. You, you can get in trouble big time like that. This is serious, serious business. When we come in here, we're approaching the living God in worship. That should have a profound effect on everything we do when we're gathered in worship. Reverence means this. We're to be careful as we realize the presence and claims of God. We're to be careful when we realize the presence and claims of God. It also means that what we do, we do cautiously. Fear means we stand in awe of Him. It means we have a healthy apprehension of who God is. Now, it doesn't mean I, that I cringe away from God. It doesn't mean that I'm afraid to even call His name. It means that when I worship, when I praise Him, when we do as a body of believers, we do so with a biblical regard for God's holy and righteous standards and requirements. God is a holy God. 
So let me ask you this this morning. Every message, I've left you with questions. I don't know if you've thought about them after you went out the door, but I've left you with them nevertheless. How can we be more serious and reverent in our worship and praise to God at West Lenoir? How can we do that? I don't know the answer to that. I'm praying about that. But whatever the answer to that is, if it's biblical and right, I want it. I want to be more reverent and serious in the presence of our awesome God. Now, I said all through this series, I'm not here to preach about other churches. I'm here to preach about us. But to illustrate what I'm talking about, there are many, many church services that began today with the crowds of people gathered. And a worship leader came out, had a microphone in his hand, and got everybody to put their hands together, just like they did at Dollywood last night. And big screens dropped, and I have no problem with big screens if they're used for the right reason. Big screens drop, choirs start swaying left to right, and before you know it, you got everybody worked up to an octane higher than 100%. They are worked up. And they are moving, and, they are, and they're, they're doing everything but thinking about the Holy One. Now, I just ask you to find me that anywhere in Scripture where men met with God. On the other hand, there are some folks who walk in and they're, they're afraid to even make a sound. They'll sit there stoic and look like they're handcuffed to their emotions for all their life. That's not pleasing to God either. We must have an apprehension, stand in awe of God, but at the same time, we must reverence Him and be careful about who we're worshiping. Secondly, genuine praise should cause God's people to rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 27, Rejoice evermore. I charge you by, the, by this epistle that this be read to all the holy brethren. Paul said, I'm telling you to rejoice evermore, and I want you to read that to all the holy brethren. Church, it doesn't matter what's happening in our life, what we feel. When we gather together, we're to rejoice in the Lord, and we're to rejoice in Him always. You remember that scene when the prodigal son returned? You remember what the father said to the elder brother when the elder brother got all bent out of shape about the fatted calf and the whole nine yards. You remember what he said to the elder brother? The father said, it was meat that we should make merry. The father said, it was necessary that I do this because my son has come home. It is absolutely essential that we rejoice and praise God for His goodness, for His mercy, and His grace. And thirdly, genuine praise should express our thankfulness to God. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can only approach God one way, and that's through the redemptive work of His Son. So therefore, we ought to thank God for that. You say, well, preacher, I've been trying to, trying, trying to sit around and think about something to thank God for. My goodness, you can thank Him for His Son from now till you see Him face to face and still not give it the worth that it's due. We thank God because we only have access to this holy God one way, that is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you this, would you rather feel this or would you rather know it? I'd rather know it. I sense it in my heart. I hope you sense it in your heart. I hope when you open up your Bible, I hope when you gather with God's people, you understand why we're here. It's because of Christ. And everything should glorify and exalt Him. Biblical worship and praise will look different in different cultures. It'll look different in different areas of the world. However, it should always be based on the biblical truths that I've just covered. 
Of the three I mentioned, reverence, rejoicing, and thankfulness, which one of those best describes our church here? Reverence, rejoicing, or thankfulness? Which one do you think best describes us? I think we need help in all three areas, but I do, I do think by and large this church has a reverence for God. I think we know when, we're, when we come in here, we're not coming in here, we're not coming in here to, a, to a dance or some kind of crazy something. I, th- I, think, I, think, I think you know that. I think you respect the pulpit enough to know that by God's grace I would never allow that to happen. I think also that you know that we uh, not only are reverent, but we are rejoicing people. Uh, all of us are different. Uh, I'm going to heaven just to see some of you smile, but I'll, I'll get it. It'll one of these days. But I, some people don't, I mean, they're, they're just who they are. I, I understand that. I've, I've pastored people that have never breathed an amen, that lived holy and godly lives, loved their church. I've, I've pastored people who you preach to them and and. You know, their grandkids get saved, and they have the same emotion all the way, all the way across. And then one day you go by their house and sit, sit out in the barn while they're working on their tractor, and they'll squall like a baby and tell you how good God's been to them. I'm not here to change you from who you are. I'm here to tell you, whoever you are, let everything that hath breath praise His name. Praise ye the Lord. We should be reverent, but not unemotional. We should rejoice, but not over-emotional. We should be thankful, but not focus on things, but on Him. Preacher, how do I do that? Won't you ask God to help you do that? And then if you want to know where I got that from, I'll tell you. Genesis 49.8, Judges 16.24, 1 Chronicles 16.4, Psalm 18.3, Psalm 22.26, Psalm 35.18, Psalm 56.10, Psalm 63.5, Psalm 109.30, Psalm 113.1, Psalm 135.3, Psalm 145.2, Psalm 149.3, Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6, Proverbs 31.26, Jeremiah 31.5, Daniel chapter 2, verse 23, Daniel 4.1, Daniel 4.34. That's just the Old Testament. You want to go eat lunch or you may go through all of them. And you can go back and get the CD or listen to them and look them up. And I got hundreds more. I'm grateful that before there ever was a visible church here on the earth like we are today, God said in Psalm 117 that all nations and all people were to praise Him. I'm also glad that today I'm with the, I'm with the church, the redeemed of God. We're a local body. We have brothers and sisters doing the same thing we are. I'm glad we've gathered today in corporate worship to honor Him. I encourage you to pray for me, to pray for our church leadership, to pray for Jonathan as he leads the choir, for the musicians as they play, Pray for your Sunday school teacher, for the deacons, for every one of us here in this church that our worship and praise would be pleasing in the sight of God as we pray one for another that when we come through these doors gathered together that we will bring our sacrifices of praise unto God. You may never stand in this assembly and give a testimony. You may never lift your hand or shed a tear. But somewhere in the process of all of this, either with a vocal word spoken softly or with an unspoken word in your heart, you should say thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. And bless the name of God for His mercies and His goodness. And Lord, I rejoice with you. And if you can't sing and don't like to sing, you should rejoice while your brothers and sisters in Christ are singing. One of the greatest blessings of being in a family that sings, and I know I've been blessed to be in, to be in that with my dad and mom, and Kim and I's family been blessed to sing her family 
could sing. Matter of fact, that's how I, I met her. They were singing one night at a church service, and that's how, uh, how I met her. And I knew if I wanted to have kids that could sing, I better find a woman that could sing. And so that's how we got together. But one of the greatest blessings about being in a family that can sing, if you can't, you can stand there and smile with them, and everybody thinks you can. And that's the way of being in the family of God. We praise Him, and we gather to worship our God. Someday in the future, whether by death or by the return of our Lord, we're going to change worlds. And I hope West Lenore can just change and go from one place of praise to an eternal place of praise and never miss a note and keep giving it to His glory. I have rode down the road many a time, many years ago. I have rode down the road coming home from preaching and have back then a tape. You can look it up if you want to know what it is, a cassette tape. And had it in my car listening to this choir sing. And I have on more than one occasion pulled off the side of the road and sat there and cried and worshipped and rejoiced. I've never heard this choir sing junk. Never. Now, maybe they did at some point, but I've never heard it in my lifetime, in my being around here. I can remember coming in back here at the Bible conference, walking up the corridor, maybe being running late, and hearing the choir sing, and I wanted to worship as I walked through the corridor. I wanted to magnify God and glorify His great name. The preaching should be that way, too. The teaching should be that way too. As a matter of fact, when I put out my hand in a minute to shake your hand, our fellowship should be like that too. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, thank you for this morning together. Lord, we miss those who are unable to be with us. Lord, we miss those who back down the road were a part of this church who are now with you, who worshiped you, as they gathered with God's people. I pray that we would learn from the Scriptures to worship. For those who have a word, may it always be you. For those who have a shout, may it always be to your glory. For those who have a song, may it always be to your glory. Lord, may we cherish this special word of praise, as did Luke, who was so very careful to use it when he wrote his portion of God's Word to use it in places where it magnified the Son of God. Lord, help me. Set a guard upon my lips, a guard upon my voice and my praise. May it constantly be to your glory and to your honor. Continue to help us when we gather to lift our voices to you. As we go our separate ways, Lord, now we have gathered and now we will scatter. And as we go to our homes, may we praise you there. May children see their mothers and fathers praise the Lord. And may we see our brothers and sisters in Christ praise the Lord as well. You are worthy to be praised. And I pray, Lord, if it would please you that you would send a revival, a biblical revival to our nation, that our nation may once again praise you. Lord, I know through the gospel and only through the gospel is that possible. But I pray you would do it for your glory and your honor. And Lord, as we leave here today, there's no ashes left on the altars. There's, there's no parts of animals and first fruits to gather up and divide and 
take where they need to be. But may we have left our sacrifices of praise and may we continually offer that to you. Always understanding what a reverent and holy God you are. Help us, O oh God, this morning and work this in us to your glory and honor. I want to thank you for this congregation, for every soul that's here today. Save those that are lost and work this truth in us, I pray. We'll do our best to thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.